My guest today is Paul Tyler. Paul is the Chief Marketing Officer at Nassau Financial Group. He is a major part of the fintech space, especially in our industry. He's here to talk about how he started in the business, what he's currently working on, and his thoughts of what the future holds for fintech in our field. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Paul Tyler, welcome to the show. I'm so happy to have you here. And uh, for me, besides doing the show, which I'm having a blast doing this, it's really fun to uh, be able to work with people that I've worked with for many years in my past life at MetLife. And uh, so nice to have you here and so good to see you. And I think I was on your show probably last year. We ran into each other in Greenwich back probably months before that. And it was so great to see you. And I think I want to say, Paul, we probably spent 15 years together, maybe 20 even at MetLife. Am I am I correct in saying oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on my show. And I agree. It's been it's it's great to connect with people and uh, forums, you know, in person, right? Yes. <laughs> Accidental meetings and also, you know, being able to hang out here and uh, have a, a great conversation is excellent. Yeah, it must be 15 years. You know, when I think, I, you know, we, we go back a long way. You remember... Yes. Uh, I, you know, I joined Met right when MetLife had acquired New England Financial. Okay. So that was like, what, like 2000 maybe or 2000, 99? Yeah, 2007, I think. Seven, okay. Was, was when that happened. I know you were kind of like the up and comer at that point. I remember, yeah. you know, I was like, who's Paul Blanco? His numbers are just <laughs> like skyrocketing here. We yeah, have the- It's uh, fun, age- it's been- well, and you're an athlete and competitor. And I remember, you know, going through and building all these management worksheets, be like, okay, how can we make it really hard for Paul to win this thing? <laughs> <laughs> we always seem to figure it out, you know, you did. And, uh, and, and that was a fun run and, and good times. And I met so many great people along the way. And uh, so I'm excited, but, you know, you talked about 07 coming there, but I guess my my first question for you is how did you get oh, in? I'm the sorry, industry? that was actually 1997. Sorry. Oh, I'm 97. Yeah, I thought 97. So. 97. Yeah, I thought yeah. so. I thought so. So, yeah, because we spent a long time together. And I started at Meta 91. So, uh, it was a very short period of time. I mean, you're right. I was just a kid getting started in 97. 97. And, uh, yeah. I know. And I love those days. When did you start? Was that when you started, Paul, or did you start prior to that? And what drove you to the financial service industry? Yeah, like everybody, you know, I uh, how'd you how'd you get how did anybody get into this business? Usually a little bit of an accident, a little bit of, I guess, uh luck or fate. Yeah, I I actually came to Boston working in a management consulting firm. That was really my first, you know, quote, real job. And uh, I was splitting my time between technology. I was doing some work for uh, AT&T. It was like another version of AT&T, you know, the old one. It was based out of Basking Ridge at that point and uh, working for a bunch of, you know, group insurance carriers, including John Hancock at the time. It's kind of interesting to, you know, work through each of those sectors at the same time. You say, how, how does phone calls and insurance, how do they all tie together? I think that, you know, common denominator is that both of the businesses were highly defined by regulation. It was interesting. Sure. You know, the phone companies existed because of, you know, regulation that had been set up, you know, years and years and years ago. And it's, it's an interesting business because, you know, how much did it really cost to make a phone call? Well, you've already 
put up the lines. How much does that electron cost? And the answer is not much. But the pricing structure was all really kind of set up and regulated at that point by the uh, FCC. And, you know, a lot of that sort of changes. I was involved in the, you know, in that, that industry for, for a little while. And then we were also doing insurance, you know, which is another very highly regulated yet technically driven business. And, you know, so, so I think at some point some head owner came knocking my door and said, hey, how'd you like to talk to this company that I'd never heard of down on Boylston Street, which happened to be, I don't know, half a mile from my apartment. I said, sure, that sounds better than flying around the country. Uh, yeah. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another and I, you know, met a great people along the way, you know, you're right up there. And I kind of look at the people we hung out with. A lot of them have gone on to some really interesting work. Um, oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. And uh, so I've been watching what you're doing and uh, really enjoying it. And I was always super impressed with how your mindset worked. And when you look at home office, when you use that word, and and I kind of don't like that word, but it's used so frequently, it's hard sometimes to find people that, you know, get what the street does. Right. And I always you know, on my short list of people in my travels, you're one of the people that, that always, I looked at that way that really truly got it. And so now, you know, I look at the FinTech space and I know that's where you're spending a tremendous amount of your time and trying to bring a lot of different things, connecting the dots again to the industry. So kind of give us high level or, or as deep as you want, what's going on and what are you doing? And I'm so interested to hear it. Well, thanks. Yeah. Yeah. Paul, yeah, it's, it's a, a fun time to be in the business. And I tell people that all the time. And it's, it's interesting. We've kind of gone through these phases where you say, wow, this is a really cool time to be here. And then wait a few more years and and things keep changing in, in interesting ways. Um, I think I, I heard a, a talk that I think uh, Bezos Gave way back, I think this was early 2000, you know, talked about these flywheels and everybody, I mean, you hear people talk about that a lot today, but, you know, I think there's an interesting question. Our business, I try to always ask myself is what will stay the same and, you know, what's going to change? And there's some things in this business that just won't change. Um, uh, People really want to talk to people. Okay. I don't think, you know, you're ever going to see a huge amount of insurance, especially the kind of insurance we're selling, uh, being done with an avatar. I agree. I just, I don't think it'll happen. Agents are always, you know, the biggest problem we have, you know, the agents have is, well, I, but I want to find that customer. It's hasn't changed. <laughs> I could kind of go through a number of kind of interesting problems. There's, there's a reason why, you know, we never saw insurance agents have billboards, you know, along I-95. It, it does, it doesn't pay. Yeah. Okay. And there's a reason why, for the same reason, doing Facebook ads and Google ads just won't work out financially. So it's interesting. You say so, some things stay the same, some things don't change, but things that do change is, well, how are you going to find your customer today? Um, I think increasingly it's happening online, right? It used to be I'd walk down the street, knock on a door. A lot of agents are still doing this today, uh, but more and more, I think the customer creation, the prospect creation is going to happen online and the interaction is going to happen more progressively in an online environment. Still be a person, but well, if you're my client, how did I find you originally? 
I bet I met with you once, but I bet I may not have met with you in person the rest of the time we've got in a relationship. So I, I, I think there's fundamentals of this business aren't going to change, but I think the how we find them, how we return, the expectations are going to change dramatically. I think fintech is going to be a huge part of this. Yeah, it's it's interesting as you're as you're speaking. I'm thinking, you know, we our model here is digitally enabled, advisor assisted. And yes. I think that that's the key. And I think it's probably sped up due to COVID, the fintech space. And just it's amazing that companies had to move so quick to get processes online to do business. And, you know, the invention of Zoom. And, you know, I know it's been around and we were probably doing 15% of our meetings via some sort of online technology. And now it's like 95% of our meetings. But let me dig in a little on the second part of it, right? So I get the prospect, I get the digital part. I agree with you about face-to-face being needed. And I had done a show last week and it was about financial planning and about advisors becoming life coaches, right? So that's the future of where the industry is going. But what I'm still puzzled by is so many companies are coming out with these fintech models to try to gain customers. And how's that working? Is it, is it working? And I think back to, you know, when I first started mail was 5% of the industry, you know, people did business through mail. And I feel like that digital experience is still like 5% of the industry now. So do you have more color on that for me? Yeah, I think, as you know, home offices are great in coming up with solutions they think are solving problems you have. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm, I'm, I've been guilty of this. I, hey, yeah. I've got this great solution. Oh, was it really, is it really solving a problem? Yeah. So I think, you know, you still get that. I think all the time where you have people who are not connected with the field, haven't sold a product, don't understand how to sell this product. We'll invent things that probably cost a lot, <laughs> may have worked a, a little bit, but probably aren't delivering the results that you're seeing today. And listen, a lot of companies, I think, that have tried to go digital all the way are saying, okay, where's the ROI coming coming Correct. from? Yeah. So our, our personal experience has been, you know, there are people out there, There's there are people who want to buy direct from a company and yeah. um, we've enabled that opportunity. You know, sometimes they, you know, met with an advisor, liked the product, came into our website, looked at this thing, but they didn't like the advisor and they'll call, come in and call us. Now that probably happens 1% yeah. of the time. And so we've got the capability where we've got somebody who can come in, artfully kind of figure out, well, who are they? Who are they talking to? We'll help them out. We'll give the commission to the agent. You know, so they're not going to lose if we figure out who this person was. Yep. Could we survive on that, Paul? I'd, I'd be kind of hungry at this point if I had to do this as a standalone business. Correct. Now, that said, I'm seeing a lot of agencies putting their agency out in person, building their brand, bringing the people in for maybe one meeting and then building a business around this. But it's it's very different, I think, if you're if you've got, you know boots on ground or boots virtually on ground. I think this is a model that I think people are going to, people are going to crack this code, but it's not going to be at the, it's not, I don't think the carers are going to be doing, it's going to be people like you. Yeah. I, well, it's, you're going to need some uh, entrepreneurs. And I think that's one of the, I think one of the interesting things and, you know, I'll come back to marketing in a second, but when you think about 
what I found is advisors come in as advisors. If they can make the jump to a business owner and then an entrepreneur, that's how they truly grow. And what you're talking about is firms doing that. And I think that's one of the challenges the industry is facing. So when you don't have the distribution model like that, then you try to figure other ways to, because the need's so great, but then you try to figure out other ways to distribute our products and, and grow the business, you know? So it's interesting. So, but let's go back to something. I mean, from the onset of your career, you've always had a marketing mind. And obviously when you're in the fintech space, it's all about marketing to distribute more products and more efficiently. But what do you, what do you see is working or what do you see some of the challenges are, I should say, in marketing in the financial sector? Yeah, I, I think the biggest challenge in marketing this sector is navigating regulations. Okay. Now, challenge and opportunity, right? Regs are meant to not misrepresent what we're selling. You know, we're, uh, I, and I, I have this conversation yeah. with all people all the time. I'm sure you do with reporters. Well, what's the ROI on the on the annuity? You know, aren't those fees really high? You know, my answer to them is. What was your ROI in your homeowner's insurance? I hope it was zero this year. I hope your house didn't burn down. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Right. So, so misrepresentation is a, is a big issue we have to fight in this business, you know, all the time. I think um, making sure people understand what they actually purchased, big deal. You know, you, you bought a life insurance policy, not a long-term care policy or a, Right. We've, we've, we've all dealt with this. I, I, I talked to one startup once selling an annuity and trying to, it was, this was a couple of years ago, Paul, a lot of financial backing. I saw their page. They were trying to sell multi-year guaranteed annuities, you know, for listeners who may not know what they are. They're kind of like bank CDs, but they're insurance products, but the the need, it, it sort of hits the same need, you know, guaranteed yeah. interest rate for a specific point in time. Easiest product, one of the easiest products to explain, I think, or that's at least the common yeah. perception. They didn't have annuity, Paul, anywhere on their website or their ads. I said, you're not, you can't legally yeah, do this. You're misrepresenting. Yep. And he said, but people won't click on it. <laughs> said, welcome to the club. <laughs> welcome to the club. So, so I, I think one challenge is the regulation, but it's also the, yep. the challenge is how do you accurately tell our product, what our product needs are, which we solve very complicated needs, but how do you say that in you know, you know, what does Google allow you to do on, on ads? You've got maybe 50 characters max and you've got to meet the regs and you've got to create some, you know, explain your product in a few seconds that can pull somebody in on a financially sound basis. This is hard. Yeah. You know, it's interesting as I'm sitting here listening I don't know if you remember this, but in 1999, I kind of coined the phrase in the industry is a marketing firm that does financial planning, right? Because what you're saying is exactly the same problem we had in the 90s was if you can't get a smart, articulate advisor in front of clients, then the rest doesn't happen. And, you know, we have uh, an interesting and not to regress, but we have an interesting problem here is we have too many opportunities and not enough advisors, which... I guess is a good problem. But when you think of like obstacles or you think, let me ask you this one. When you think of marketing and what you just said, how many have you seen someone doing it or, you know, 
generically, I mean, we don't have to get into a specific company, but do you see someone doing it really well? And what are they doing that you say, and you sit there and you say, wow, these guys figured it out. Yeah. I'll tell you without naming names, there are two two organizations we're working with um, who I think are are standouts and they're two, two very different models. One's a national company that does advertising and one is a local agency that effectively has a national presence. Got it. So again, what's old is new, right? You yep. remember Gerber Life, <laughs> you know, yep. some of these companies that, you know, there, there are companies that have had, you know, television campaigns on for a long time. We, you know, we kind of get barraged with some, with some of these other products. You know, one company is is interesting. They, they've got a formula where, you know, they've, they've got a pretty efficient way of buying ads on cable television uh, at specific times. And they've kind of created a funnel where, They've got an efficient way for buying television ads, radio ads. They've, they've done a lot in digital and you'll join their firm. And Paul, they have the same problem you have, which is how do we get agents who are articulate enough to explain our problem? So they'll pull these people into a call center, um, qualify them, and then push them out to agents in a local area. Now, Interesting. now the challenge when you do that, you, you know this from, from some of the work you've done with, with the larger corporations is, well, wait a second. Hey, I just, I've got a great agent in, you know, New Jersey. If you start to advertise television, do television ads or any of these ads just in New Jersey, we pretty much the economics say, well, it really wouldn't cost that much more if I do this nationally. Yep. Okay, great. Now I've got to get agents all over the country. Correct. Okay, I got leads. How do I, you know, so, oh, and by the way, those are big, big ad buys. So it looks like a giant seminar system. You yep. know, you got a cash flow that it takes three months for the stuff to roll out. Right. So big investment, got to be disciplined, got to have a long view. That's one model. And I think it's, I see it working. Um, another one is uh, uh, actually a woman yeah, who's cannot believe how successful she is. Um, now she's got a strong national natural market. Uh, she knows the business exceptionally well, totally gets SEO. You know, if you if you search for her, you know, and the city or the product, boom, she's up. She was Paul, kind of like you. She had invested in a in marketing firm way ahead of any other agents that I'd seen. Yep. Right? She had the patience to do that. She wasn't looking three weeks out; she was looking six months out. Yep. And she does an astonishing volume. And you mentioned Amazing. Zoom. Yep. She was doing all in person for right up until the pandemic flipped the zoom. Uh, she went from seeing, you know, I think she told me five clients a day to now she's doing like 15 or 20. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's a gift that, uh, you know, of all the bad stuff, that was the one gift and clients like it better too, which is, which is amazing. And, uh, so that's some great, really examples that you're talking about. So, when you think of the fintech and the marketing, is there anything specific that you're working on today from a project standpoint? I know you told me before we started today, you got four podcasts going. So that's uh, <laughs> that's pretty amazing in itself. But are there any other things that you're working? I know you ran also like this tech forum that right. and you're running it in multiple places or just one place. So tell me what's going on with you from what sure. you're doing today. Yeah. Um, well, listen, uh, you know, our, work for a company that, you know, is, you know, it's still a startup, 
right? Yeah. It, 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 we, we're still working to get our name out. I think we've done a pretty good job, you know, but there's still much bigger companies out there, you know, many of whom you, your company represents. So, so we've been, you know, we're, we're that speedboat, <laughs> you know, uh, let me say a speedboat that kind of tr- is trying to project some stability that people yeah. expect and want. So it's, it's kind of a, there's a little bit of art to do that. So, you know, podcasts, you know, we podcast, you know, targeting agents in our, our uh, community to, you know, goal there is really educate people about our company, develop relationships with influencers, you know, influencers like you uh, in this space. Um, So people ask you about our story, you can tell it. And uh, you can say there are, you know, people behind this company um, and, and they're uh, respectfully do what they want. Um, Also, we want to find partnerships with companies that are doing interesting, interesting opportunity, interesting things. They're, they're bringing value to our partners. They're bringing value to our company. Uh, we set up an incubator in Hartford, I guess about four years ago. Uh, we've had probably, we've supported maybe a hundred plus companies in, in various fashions. So uh, do, do you period. have like a venture capital fund at the company that you guys use to do that? Or no, is, is I wish just, we did. You're just doing it. You're just helping them to do things to help them connect things and you believe in what they're doing. Is that what it is? Exactly. We've been connectors. We've offered our product uh, to a number of these companies, uh, given given the APIs, given the hooks, given, given license to sell our products. Uh, We've got a a great connection, a great network of of VCs who've been very supportive. Paul, they'd love to see more startups in this area in their whole retirement space. So there's a lot of appetite. There aren't there aren't a lot of good. I shouldn't say this. There there are good startups, good companies in this space, but there's room for more. Yeah, I know. I don't know the exact number, but there's um, it's a crazy number of how much uh, money is in motion in the retirement space over the next you know 20, 25 years. It's trillions and trillions of dollars. So I'm sure that's why they have an appetite. And as you said earlier, not so many people have figured it out now. You know. No. And I, I think, unfortunately, we had a lot of people come into the space who didn't really understand the business, who got a lot of investment dollars, got some crazy valuations for a moment. And I think yes. we're now seeing kind of the pain. So you've got a lot of investors who feel like they got burned again with promises of, OK, yeah. I'm great. I'm super good at buying Facebook ads. And I'm going to sell millions and millions of life dollars of life insurance. And the answer is not that simple. It's not, (laughs) I wish it was, it's not, it's not. not. And, and, you know, it's interesting that, um, I'm not a big, uh, I'm not a big proponent. I don't watch a lot of shock tank, but my middle daughter does. So, you know, as I think about what you just said, there was these companies getting these value. And the first question they ask on shock tank is uh, what was your profit? (laughs) <laughs> and there was a, and it's, you know, these are small companies and there was these, these companies in our space that came in and had zero profit, but we're getting these massive evaluations, which is very interesting. And you knew that at some point that would uh, hit some sort of obstacle or a wall. So, um, well, let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit here. So probably about 10, 15 years ago, we run an offsite meeting for our leadership team every year. And there's always sort of a theme. And the one 10 years ago was, you know, one less click. How do we, you know, get more efficiencies throughout the whole organization? And today, you know, the one less click is AI. 
And it's how do you take AI and apply it to your business? And we've done something like that on the CRM side. And, you know, we tried to solve a problem, right? That if advisors books get so big, how do they know when and who and why to call? And we built sort of an AI technology way before, you know, AI was even a buzzword, right? It was, I guess I call it instinct technology, right? In our industry. So, but you're spending a lot of time on this. So what is, what is the future of that? And are there, are there some places where you can show me an example or two of where it's really, really helped out? Yeah, no, well, from, from prior lessons, Paul, whatever you're doing, <laughs> I want to be doing. I remember, let's just, you mentioned CRMs. You, yeah. you're, you're, you have been so ahead of the curve. Thank you. It's astonishing, right? I remember somebody called me up and said, I believe Paul Blanco's wants to bring this new company in and he doesn't like our CRM system. I'm like, well, <laughs> what's the company? Salesforce. <laughs> <laughs> I think that yeah. was like 2001, maybe. Yes. And we've been on that journey for him and Salesforce is a big piece of our, yeah, you know, yeah. back end now. And I know, and, you know, and, and honestly, it's interesting. You say that the tool that we had at the time was a, was a decent tool, but it couldn't hold the size of the book. It wasn't eventually never, it didn't go cloud-based till like 2019. Yeah. And you know, and you sometimes make a bad end if you do your research, sometimes you win on that. So thank you on that. But where are you seeing it now? Like, and, and what are some of the things you think that um, is going to change the industry with AI? Uh, well, listen, I, I'm bullish on this thing. So you're going to have to, you may have to give me the the big time here. Uh, the big, uh, take the, take a, take a breath of uh, air, Paul. Um <laughs> No, I, I think this is going to have enormous um, repercussions. And I think from a positive standpoint in our business, um, I think it will take a little bit of time for it to ripple through our business. But it's kind of the first technology I've seen that has such immediate benefits for us across probably every part of our business. So if I if I just start with Mark, you know, we're we're pushing hard with my team um, to just use this as a content generation tool, um, a really good one. Um, so suddenly a small team of marketers like you, I mean, I think I, you may have more people on your marketing team than I do, <laughs> Paul, yes. but suddenly we can generate a ton of content that's very hyper customized for one particular agent. So, you know, we've always talked about one-to-one marketing. Hey, Paul, let me give you the fillable PDF. That's my answer for customized marketing. Wait a second. I can actually put your name in there. I can put your picture in there. Oh, by the way, I can take your bio and your personal bio. I can combine that with our product information and create a unique piece for you for your landing page. So I think... I think we can provide one-on-one marketing support at scales that no company ever would have attempted. Because of, course of AI. And you, what, what tool do you use for that? I mean, is it a, is it a proprietary tool? Is it something on, is it like chat PT or what is it? Okay. So we've been ex- doing a t- lot of work with uh chat GPT. Yep. Um, I got us on the uh, Google's has a, 
sort of early access platform. They're kind of rolling their tools, competing tools out. Interesting. We're working with uh, uh, some of the image generators. My uh, uh, Midjourney. Wow, I don't know if you're you, if you if you've used this nope. at all. I'll, I'll send you one of our brochures that where every single image is generated uh, by. AI. I'll I'll do this after. Uh, yeah, please. I'd love to almost see it. almost compliance approved. <laughs> um, but you know, some of the challenges. You think about some of the challenges in marketing. You know, okay, we can't afford custom photos for all our marketing material. That's why the same damn person is on like public brochures. Wait a second. I can mix up. I can pick my actors. I can mix them, mix them up. <laughs> you know, I've got a Brad Pitt meets, you know, uh, Mark Wahlberg on our stuff. It's amazing. So this is kind of interesting. I think it opens up a lot of creative stuff we couldn't have done before. And I think the, the quality will go up. I think more importantly, it's, we can do some mass customization for agents that, you know, you know, Paul, at, let's, let's, at scale, at, at scale. scale, right. That's like, that's the whole game. Right. Like how much time does it take? You sit down with an advisor, say, well, what would you like? How would you like it? Wow. What if I just sent them this whole kit and it's got their name and all their stuff. And it's all, oh, by the way, it's merged in their description, their backstory. Yeah. I love it. I love Save it. time. How much you right? I gave time back to an advisor. Well, and that's the whole thing. And, and, you know, when you talked about that woman earlier, that's built this business and she went from, you know, five meetings to say 15 meetings in a day at some point she's going to hit that ceiling. Right. And she can't, yeah. do, she can't do 30. No. She already got the bump using the technology. So now she has to think of what's the next way to be efficient and to scale. And that, and that's how you, you know, stack one good day on top of the next and you grow faster. Is, is there, um, I, I love the marketing one, you know, my mind immediately goes to, not going so far as the bots and all that stuff yet, but is there, is there operational things you've been seeing on AI or is that something you guys are not focused on yet? Or have you seen any carriers or any little firms doing it? Well, well, you know, I'll tell you sort of, this is uh, you know, okay. You know, everybody close your ears. No. Uh, <laughs> okay. What are some of the problems internally? Okay. Service. How many companies yep. struggle with service? Correct. Okay. So what do people agents need? It's, it's, it's like, you know, the, you think the old foot football analogy, you know, analogy, Hey, it's not where they get tackled. It's how quickly you get back up. Well, when we quickly get back up, we need to apologize, acknowledge what happened, empathize um, with the problem, give them some sort of defined um, re resolution. And, and like a person who is assuming responsibility for it. Well, we've got a pilot internally right now where, and I'll tell you, you know, our call center agents are doing, they're, they're working as hard as they can. A lot of times they're dealing with problems that they had nothing to do, to, to do with. Yep, of course. And they're good on the phone, but they're not necessarily good at writing. Um, so we're, we've got a pilot where you fill in a few handful of items about the problem. Bare bones out generates a very nicely composed note that they can cut and paste, edit, send off. Nice. Hey, that's, you say. No, I mean, you, you, the note probably doesn't go out from other call centers, number one. Right. And number two is you made it more efficient and personalized it with efficiencies. Wow. That's a, you know, I'm very intrigued by that. And it's funny as I, you know, I've been a Harvard business journal reader my whole career. It's one of the, and as I've gotten older, it's the best for me because it gives me a lot of information quickly. 
but I'm talking AI, 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 and it's been in my mind for like the last, you know, eight, nine months here in the buzz and, and this month's issue AI right in front of me. I, so yes, like, I, yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta take, that's a sign to me that Paul Blanco take action quickly and uh, find, even though I feel it's happening day to day naturally in a one less click mentality, but now there's a, you can take it to a whole different level. So I guess oh, my, uh, well, yeah. I, I, I'll give you a couple other examples. These, these, I think you'd actually find would actually apply in your business as well. Uh, you know, now Google calls this enterprise search. Uh, but huh, what if you had Google search for key documents you have in your firm, like policies, contracts, yep. what if you had a chat bot on top of this? I mean, they're, this, this stuff we're playing around with. Now for us, you know, our first use case is we just bought this uh, New York block of business uh, from another company. Sounds simple. Oh, are you, you trying block. to find phone numbers and emails? Well, no, like, okay. Oh, great. We got this shoe box of 80 different policy types. Now, if you, somebody starts calling to call center, how does this agent on the phone understand all the details and nuance of these products. So we're working through to say, can we actually have an internal bot that will tell it the, give it the policy and actually like accurately drill down and say, Oh yeah, this, this is how this particular rider did or didn't work. Interesting. Yeah. Right. And how's it going so far? Learning. Nice. Learning, you know, it's uh, it's kind of pushing me into areas where I wouldn't expect, you know, think, yeah. think about from your business, how about the policies that were written, right? For all your agents, hmm. writers, what are some of these, you know, <laughs> you know, the old policies, how did, how did they work? Yep. Now, what if I could actually interrogate this policy and, oh, by the way, draft up a letter that an agent could send out at, on a servicing call to explain, you know, what they, the cl- customer purchased. Sure. Amazing. So when, uh, so last question for me, from me is, uh, you know, obviously I could tell what gets you up every morning and you've taken all of the the stuff you've done in your career and put it all together. And, you know, it's so great to see you inspired and having a blast, but what's next for you? Uh, you know, what's next? God, got to sell like half a billion more of these <laughs> this year, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> well, you still got to keep your day job, right? Right. Yeah. Keep, keep day job. That's number one. I think, uh, hang out with really fun people like you, yeah. like others, right. You know, what, what do they say? You know, what's, what's happiness, right? One is you need purpose. Listen, I, I think this is a great business. Yes. We make a lot of money, but I think it's more, it's more interesting to say like how many people's retirements did we yeah, actually the impact? Build this That's year, the whole right? key. Once you figure that out, it's the greatest business in the world. If you can do it. Yeah. So, you know, people on purpose, I, I like hanging out with uh, entrepreneurs, startups, they listen, building things, right. But the building things that actually, you know, have a lasting impact, you know, we, so we all can leave a, a legacy and that's it. Yeah. It's awesome. That is it. I, I love that. And I, I, you know, it's interesting, Paul, I think that uh, I told this story, you know, on a show a couple of weeks ago and the story really was about how, when I came in at 22, and you're selling life insurance and you realize you grow up pretty quickly when you're telling clients, these are the things. And once you realize the impact you're making and the purpose you have, and then obviously the retirement now, it, it, it's the greatest career in the world. If you, uh, you know, very noble profession 
And uh, it's really exciting. Well, you know, when I think the name of the show here, as everybody knows, is Small Steps, Big Wins. When you think of what you're doing with technology, with the fintech uh, space, with the incubator, with the um, AI stuff, each day you're taking small steps and they're resulting into huge wins for you. So Paul Tyler, thank you for uh, being on the show today. I really appreciate it. You're very inspiring how you're thinking and uh, it's been very enjoyable to have you on. So I really appreciate you being here today. Oh, Hey, listen, very flattered Paul, especially coming from you. So yeah, thanks for having me on. This was great. You got it. You got it. Have a great rest of the day, Paul. Take care. Thanks. You too. Thank you for listening to small steps, big wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you. You should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203 513-6000.